Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the station bringing you every Broncos game. Touchdown, Denver! This is Broncos Country Tonight. Presented by Betfred Sports. Never miss a bet with Betfred Sports on KOA. On the KOA Central text line 56690, we need Dan Quinn to be the lead singer in Ben's emo band. Uh, I can see that. I mean, if, if you ask nicely. I don't feel like Dan Quinn's an emo guy. I feel like he's more of a metal guy. You just naturally assume shaved head and a goatee. Does Quinn have tat sleeves he covers with long shirts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that one. Such a good text. Welcome back. Broncos country tonight. Ryan Edwards, Benjamin Albright, a little slayer on a Monday night. 56690 is our KOA Sincere text line. We're going to go through yesterday's wild card games coming up here in about 30 minutes. As we kind of working our way through the wild card matchups, some takeaways we had from it. Ian Rappaport joined us earlier on the KOA Sports Zoo, and you can find the full interview at KOAcolorado.com. The big news of the day, of course, Jim Harbaugh is staying with Michigan. I started out by asking him if he was surprised by it. Uh, I would I would not say surprised. Um, I, you know, this is kind of what I had been waiting on, and well, I mean, I thought it would come with a new contract. It seems to have not come with a new contract. It seems to be just a commitment from Michigan to do what is right contractually without having actually done it yet, and for Harbaugh to pull out of the job. And you know, it's interesting because I don't think that he was using the Broncos. I think he was legitimately interested. Problem is, he loves Michigan. And like I, even last year when like people seemed to think he wanted the Vikings job, like I thought so too, but really he loved Michigan. And to do something that would pull him away from his alma mater when he has a chance to be, you know, Bo Schembechler or whatever, it would need to be a lot. And I think for the Broncos, they, you know, had a chance, but then didn't really have a chance because of how he feels about his school. Okay. Fair points there. But you were pushing back a little bit earlier on where on the sports zoo, saying that you do believe Jim Harbaugh is getting some more money. I do believe that there will be a contract put in front of him as soon as the NCAA stuff is cleared up, and I have that on good authority from somebody involved. Okay. Just as uh, we knew that he called the Broncos this morning. Agreed with some of the points he made about how much he loves Michigan, right? We know that. We knew that his interest in the NFL wasn't any kind of indication he didn't like being at Michigan. It was more about the NFL and about the opportunities that could present themselves there. It was always the same thing. We'd always talked about this. We always said it, the ball was in Michigan's court. If Michigan pays Harbaugh, he stays. If Michigan doesn't pay Harbaugh, he goes to the Denver Broncos. They're going to pay him. There's a you know backward handshake in place kind of thing. And it will after the NCAA investigation comes up, then you know it's just an optics thing. Yep. So again, Ian saying there that he thought that he just did this for the love of Michigan. There's some truth in that. That doesn't mean that the Broncos weren't a serious contender in this. So now you asked him where the Broncos head coaching search goes now that Harbaugh has stayed at Michigan. Well, I think the interesting thing to me is, you know, what should they do with Sean Payton on Tuesday? I mean, obviously we are at a point now and the Broncos have satisfied the Rooney rule. They are at a point where they can hire someone. So 
if that is the case, do they like what they hear from Sean Payton so much that they say, you know what, we're just going to try to hire him. And, and obviously it's complicated because they'd have to reach a deal with the Saints first and then you know, get an indication for Sean Payton that a deal would be done while knowing how much money it would cost. Like it's, you could do it, but it's complicated. But I think that's the next thing, just to see, like, do they say, all right, we're just going to go all in here and maybe Sean Payton goes all in on us, or do they wait until – you know, interviewing Dan Quinn on Friday and then say, all right, now we'll make a decision. But I do think, you know, there's a pretty good possibility that their head coach is one of those two people. Okay, so, again, something you're going to put, you pushed back on a little bit, is that even though he's saying, well, the Broncos could lock up Sean Payton as soon as tomorrow, you're saying the way you feel about it, the way you understand it, is Sean Payton is going to listen to all the offers. And, again, I think it's in the best interest of the Saints as well to do that. Yes, and also they can't. I mean, part of the condition of the the, the the thing was they can't offer, they can't do anything like that right now. They still have to meet the, before they can offer Sean Payton any kind of contract or negotiate any of that, they still have to reach a deal with the Saints, which they haven't done. Uh, the reporting out there was a, a little bit weird because the Broncos have an understanding of roughly what it is that the, the Saints will want, but they don't have any agreement in place. That was not negotiated. So that has to be negotiated first. So the idea that you can just lock Sean Payton in a room and continue to throw money at him until he says, we found the number, unlock the door, is not something that's that's real. And, and I know some fans will hate that. And the, the Penners have more money than anybody and all this stuff. And that's, But that, that's just not... That's not how this works. It's not realistic. And so, you know, we, we try to stick to the facts on this show and, and, and not the, the weird stuff. Okay. Uh, then I followed up asking him, okay, about that point. Wouldn't the Saints, wouldn't it be in the best interest of the Saints to have Sean Payton listen to all the offers? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably true. On the other hand, there is a deal that can be made. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of talk about a first-round pick. I think the Saints are going to get a first-round pick. But the value is different everywhere. So if it's a later first-round pick, it's a one plus some other stuff. If it's a, you know, like the Texans, I think the Texans have number 12. But mm-hmm. number 12, it might like just be number 12. Or it might be number 12 and, a, you know, something coming back the other way. So, you know, you can figure out the value. And, you know, I'll be interested to see if the Panthers really do make an offer because their offer – is going to have to be higher than everyone else, and then, like, does another team have to match that? Like, that's really where I think New Orleans can kind of, New Orleans can maximize its leverage by, you know, really getting Carolina to drive this thing up. Yeah, well, and that is a significant part of this. And you, you said as well when we were discussing the Carolina Panthers earlier on the K-Way Sports Zoo that because it's in division, that might be the team that, the, the the Saints are really trying to push in all this. But again, that, that acknowledgement has to be made that I think you put it perfect, is that if the if they really believe that Sean Payton is that dude, is that kind of guy, first of all, I think if the Panthers have to ask themselves why are they letting this guy come over to us in division? And secondly, again, if if, if really that's the person that's gonna put you over the top, do the New Orleans Saints really want to play that guy for the next two decades? Or sorry, for the next decade two times a year, that's what I meant to say. Next decade two two times a year knowing that he could be the difference of, of the Carolina Panther or of the, the New Orleans Saints missing the playoffs for several years in a row. Yeah, and, and that's my thing, is if you're the New Orleans Saints and you think Sean Payton is the be-all, end-all, and I asked, uh, I asked that, and I, I was like, look, why didn't he just come back and coach the Saints? Yeah, they had Dennis Allen, but you could have fired, they, they, you know, they would have considered firing. It's Dennis Allen. You know, are you, are you telling me that Dennis Allen, his 25% career winning percentage is, uh, is better than Sean Payton? 
They seem to think hanging on to him was. You, you, I mean, so that that's the thing. I mean, like, at the end of the day, the Saints think that it's okay for him to go interview with a division rifle. All right. Well, and you asked him about that, why Peyton won't return to the Saints. They have a coach. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, at some point, I mean, I'm, I don't know if he tried that or if people close to him were talking to Jeff Duncan, who's a really good reporter down there, but that was floated and I think promptly squashed by the organization, and I do not think they were very happy about it, honestly. Um, but they have a coach. So, you know, as far as why would the Saints let him back in the division, you know, there is, like everything else, there is a price. And if Carolina wants to pay a premium and they get a coach who, you know, New Orleans obviously thinks is very good, then I think it's worth it. You know, I mean, look, we've seen interdivision trades before. You know, I think Donovan McNabb is probably the most famous and we know how that worked out. So it'll be interesting to see if that's the case, which I don't think it will be, but if that's the case, how it, and how it ends up transpiring. Well, and once again, for Sean Payton, I don't think there's, I mean, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't feel like there's desperation for him to get back in the league right now. Sean Payton? No. He could very much go back to the booth. Yeah. The Saints are desperately like, if you're not going to be here, then we'd like, you know. We'd like to get some draft we'd compensation like to get some for compensation. right now. But, you know, I, that, that's the thing I just, I guess I don't understand. If he goes back to the booth, maybe he comes back to New Orleans after that if Dennis Allen bombs in, in year two. But, I, I mean, it, it, it's just a weird situation to me. Everybody's tripping over themselves to get a guy that's been a one, you know, one Super Bowl. You know, we won, a, we won one Super Bowl. Yeah, but there's a lot of other things that he did well as far as winning. And, and again, I, I don't want to relitigate this with you because you and I, feel different about Sean Payton. But the point is, is is the view, the optics of it from, at least from the fan base, the NFL fan base, is that he's a guy that, that tr- would be transformative for the offense. And that's why you bring him in. And, and maybe and, and, he will be, but he hasn't been transformative for anybody but Drew Brees. But he's only been a head coach one place. But, so, he, was, but he had Jameis Winston there. He had Taysom Hill there. He had all these other quarterbacks. Yeah, he, those, he were knew, flawed, those were flawed he, quarterbacks. Except that, that he about. told us that Taysom Hill wasn't. That was the guy. He, he That was his groomed, hand-picked. I coached him up successor to Drew Brees. Yeah. He well, paid him. Once again, we don't know what Taysom Hill's, the rest of his career is going to look like. But I'm, I'm with you in the sense that there was a, a belief from Sean Payton that he could turn Taysom Hill into a top-tier quarterback and from a fantasy football perspective, there were moments, but from a, an on-field perspective, there were certainly a lot of miss, misses out there, and a lot of, lot of inaccurate throws. But what he could do with his legs, what he could do as a, as a powerful runner, uh, certainly factored in a little bit to what we saw from, from his production. I, again, I, I don't know what Taysom Hill is going to be long-term, but that is something that I think if I'm the, the ownership group, when I'm talking to Sean Payton, I'm asking him not only about Russell Wilson, about what would, what would he want to do if it isn't Russell Wilson, right? So what were you going to do post Drew Brees? Taysom Hill, okay. What's the pl- what's the plan here? If, if Russell Wilson, it works. If he doesn't work, where where would we take this thing? And if honestly, for if you're Greg Penner, I want to hear what he has to say anyways. Well, every candidate should have to answer that, though. Uh, agreed, but because of his his experience, his his response would be extra interesting. I guess more intriguing than some others. And I imagine he'll have a great plan for after that, since he was leaking you know, just two months ago that he wasn't interested in this job, didn't want to coach Russ. Right. So uh, I imagine he's come up with a good plan since then. All right, a little bit more from Ian Rappaport. Again, you find the full interview at kwaycolorado.com. Uh, we asked him, I asked him, and I, I kind of fumbled the question, but I asked him about what we learned from the wildcard weekend from the coaches 
and, and all varied backgrounds and levels of experience, what we learned about these coaches that won over wildcard weekend? Well, I think two things. One, it's very hard. It is very hard. And even the ones who are good screw up stuff all the time. Like, John Harbaugh is very good, right? I think that's, I think that's very clear. Has won a Super Bowl, is very good. And the clock management yesterday really left some head scratching. But so it's like, is he a bad coach? Well, it's just really hard. You know, I mean, I would say Mike McDaniel, really good play caller. And I don't know if his clock management issues were a young quarterback not getting the play. Like, that's kind of my guess, but no one's really come out and said that. Um, but I think that's one thing. The other thing is, you know, we could talk all we want about, you know, finding an offensive guru or finding someone to fix Russ in the Broncos case or whatever. But leading is the most important. Like, there have been several teams in the playoffs who faced really, really difficult situations where the team needed to have insane belief when there was no reason for belief at all, and they've done it. You know, I mean, I think the Vikings did in the regular season, the Jaguars did in the postseason. And it takes a lot to look at your coach and go, you know what, because you tell me so, I will then act like this, even though all the circumstances – against it. And that is really what coaching is. And you can see how players react to those kind of guys. I think it was really well said. And and we'll talk about the Vikings, uh, their collapse against the Giants. Well, Frauds. Really, we'll get into that coming up in the next segment, as well as the Bills win by the skin of their teeth and the uh, the Bengals. <laughs> with their With their win against the Ravens last night. We'll get into all that uh, in the next segment. But yeah, I mean, I think I think we, we did see the varied backgrounds. And, and of course, with uh, Kevin O'Connell versus Brian Dable, there was going to be uh, a first-time head coach winning in that circumstance, right? Uh, but for the most part, there was a lot of experience out there. And and it kind of goes to show you that you need, once again, as Sean Payton, I think, said perfectly on the Colin Coward show, you need organizational stability, you need coaching, and you need the quarterback. And almost all those teams had some version of that. The only exception, really, it's the 49ers. But again, they are more the exception to the rule, in my opinion. Because Brock Purdy, I don't think, works with every single head coach out there. No, I, I think he needs a, a strong defense, strong run game at his back. He can be a, a facilitator of the football, and he does the uh, the easy things that they set him up for well. But I, I don't think that he's a team you definitely – I mean, I, I'm not sure he's somebody I'd want to have to try to carry my team, and right. we haven't seen an example of that yet. Yeah, exactly. So again, find the full interview with Ian Rappaport, our NFL Network Insider at KOAColorado.com. A couple texts here on our KOA Central text line. Uh, Ryan, please confirm you have banned Ben from reporting flight info until after the coach is hired. Thanks for Hackett, Ben. Yeah, blame me. That's fine. <laughs> You're too much of an insider at that point. You, you literally inside the flight information you jumped the shark as an insider to when you're tipping things off and then the coaching staff or the uh, organization hires a coach because you make them panic. That's your fault. Yeah, I don't think I made them panic, but there was definitely uh, some concern about up. why they were here. Honestly, we should be running promos on KOA. It's a little How bit, inside is our insider? He screwed up the Broncos this last year. He's literally inside the plane. <laughs> right. And Mike, was, Mike Kliss is hiding behind a bush. Ben Albright is in the luggage. <laughs> and it wasn't even for Hackett. It was for Vic Fangio. I just, all I told him was the plane was here. I didn't tell them why the plane was here. I didn't know why the plane was here. I just told him it was here. But simultaneously, it's a little bit of a tip of the cap to you. Right? So you have the, you screwed things up. But guess what? 
Nobody else in town had that information. So, yeah. yeah. Good, good job, I guess. Slow golf clip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you guys see the guy, the Broncos going after a guy like Tony Pollard, especially if an offensive assistant from Dallas ends up in Denver? I don't think they're paying what Pollard's going to cost. Pollard on the open market is going to Yeah, he's going to be worth some money. I don't think they're paying that. Would New Orleans he would be a good match with Javante, oh, though. Can you imagine? Uh, would New Orleans trade Sean Payton to whatever team gives the highest offer? Is there any chance New Orleans trades the rights to Payton to a team that he doesn't want to coach for and he chooses to stay in the booth? No, and that's not how that works. Yeah. Uh, if they traded that, he has to go coach for him. Like, you don't, you know, the trade's null if he doesn't. And they're going to try to get the highest offer out of it, but it has to be somewhere he wants to go. And if he's taking interviews, I mean, you would, ostensibly he wants to go there. Yeah, Mickey Loomis made that pretty clear. And then they're, they're friends, they're close. Mickey Loomis is trying to maximize the return, but simultaneously he's not going to put Sean Payton in a place that he doesn't want to go to. So it's not one of those deals where if Sean Payton's like, I am completely against going to the Arizona Cardinals, the Saints are like, but the Arizona Cardinals offered us two firsts. I don't think he's going to Arizona at that point because Sean Payton, there's a there's an understanding and a and a, a friendship there. Yeah, he's not going to go somewhere he doesn't want to be. If he goes somewhere, he'll be coaching there and it will be for the maximum offer the Saints can get. We're going to roll through the Sunday wild card games when we come back. It's Broncos country tonight. Ryan Edwards, Benjamin Albright on KOA. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From the station bringing you every Broncos game. Touchdown, Denver! This is Broncos Country Tonight. Presented by Betfred Sports. Never miss a bet with Betfred Sports on KOA. How inside is our insider? He screwed up the Broncos this last year. <laughs> literally inside the plane. <laughs> Mike Chris is hiding behind a bush. Ben Albright's in the luggage. <laughs> and it wasn't even for Hackett. It was for Vic Fangio. All I told him was the plane was here. I didn't tell him why the plane was here. I didn't know why the plane was here. I just told him it was here. But simultaneously, it's a little bit of a tip of the cap to you. You have the, you screwed things up. But guess what? Nobody else in town had that information. So, yeah. good job, I guess. <laughs> With Cage the Elephant. Grant! Yes! I, I do think, as much as we're teasing you about it, I do think that that is a little bit of a tip of the cap. Like, hey, man, nobody else had that in town. Simultaneously, maybe you hold back next time. I'll do my best. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the program, Broncos Country Tonight. Ryan Edwards, Benjamin Albright, 303-713-8585. 56690 is our KOA Sincero text line. If you have missed any of our show, again, subscribe to the podcast. That way you never miss it. BroncosCountryTonight.com, where you can find interviews and podcasts. Also, we were on the K-Way Sports Zoo earlier today. That is also a podcast you sub- should subscribe to on the completely free and totally awesome iHeartRadio app. Apple, Google, Spotify, you guys know the drill. I just want to make sure you never miss an episode of the show. All right. We, uh, on the zoo, we, we broke down the Saturday games. I want to spend some time talking about the Sunday games. You up for it? Let's do it. Okay. Buffalo Bills get by the Dolphins, 34-31. And this game, 
in some ways play out exactly as I thought because you knew the, the Bills offense was, was going to be, again, prolific. Josh Allen, 352 passing yards. They, they did have over 100 rushing yards in this game, but you just knew that they had that. But the thing about the Buffalo Bills that is a bit concerning, it's a bit concerning, is they have a lot of turnovers, and Josh Allen has been really susceptible to those, especially in the red zone. Well, he's got a lot of fumbles. He had three fumbles, one lost in mm-hmm. this game. He threw two picks, two picks mm-hmm. took seven sacks. Mm-hmm. If you're Buffalo, you come out of this game, how do you feel about yourself right now? You feel good. You beat a good football team. Um, I think you're a little concerned with how close it was. Uh, but I, I think overall you recognize that turnovers aren't something that's sticky. You're not going to turn the ball over that much every game. Uh, you've got to tighten things up. You know, you, you've got to, you've got to tighten it up so you're not making mistakes. You got to, you know, basically the Bills outplayed themselves. In a lot of ways, they, yeah. They played Miami, you know, and, and some of those turnovers were fluky. I mean, the Cole Beasley hitting him in the hands yeah. and watching him, you right. know, uh, you know, watching him stick it right into the other team like that, like he wouldn't stick it in his arm. Felt like that. Uh, <laughs> you've, been, you've been sitting on that I've one, I've been huh? sitting on that one for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> You got a little courtesy laugh there from Grant. That's that's good. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's it, in the end. I yeah, mean, sort of, yeah. Some of those jokes hit. Some of them are misses. Okay. Wow. I don't, uh, you know, I don't <laughs> miss more than Brett Maher missed in the first half of the, the Dallas. Yeah. Somebody I'm not even check. sure that guy could kick his own butt. Somebody should check on, uh, see if he's got a pub. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even sure Brett Maher could kick his own butt at this point. So. Well, anyway, so yeah, you're right. Uh, Josh Allen. Uh, simply phenomenal. A couple of these passes, including this one to Gabe Davis, was just tremendous. Allen out of the gun, looking to throw again. Throws toward the end zone. He's got Gabe Davis along the sidelines. Touchdown, Bills. 23 yards. He beat Eric Rowe. And boy, oh boy, did Josh Allen drop that on a dime. 33-24, Buffalo. Westwood won on the call. And Stephon Diggs, seven catches for 114. Gabe Davis, six for 113. Gotta be honest, man. Gabe Davis, yeah, there's a couple games here and there where he wasn't as big a factor, but this is where Gabe Davis really did need to shine. Uh, they they moved on from Cole Beasley. Now they brought him back in. I'm getting a touchdown in this game, but the, the fact is they've needed somebody that's opposite Stephon Diggs to take away some of the attention that he gets. Stephon Diggs is still going to get plenty of targets. He got nine in this game, but Gabe Davis getting nine targets as well shows you a little bit about what this offense is. I think the way you framed it is perfect, though. The Buffalo Bills, in a lot of ways, they kept this close with their own mistakes. They are by far the more the more superior team to Miami, and eventually it showed up. It just took a lot longer than I think most people expected. Yeah, uh, but you know, like, like I said, it's they, they tried, they played a little, and then they made some mistakes, and then they tried to overcompensate for the mistakes, and it's just yeah, they had a little quagmire early, but they got themselves out of it. All right, so the Buffalo Bills, they survive. They're going to move on and play the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll get to the Bengals. Who day? Who day? Just a minute, but the. New York Giants, 31-24 win over the Minnesota Vikings. Ben? Frauds. And Daniel Jones finding Bellinger for the go-ahead score. Jones under center, got the snap, fakes the handoff, rolls and throws wide open the tight end, far sideline, inside the pylon. Bellinger, touchdown! The Giants have scored again! Well, that actually is actually the Saquon Barkley who touched down later on. That was the go-ahead score. But that one was nice. Gave them the 24-14 lead. And I thought they were going to hold on to that. But it was up to the Minnesota Vikings. They fought hard in this one. Offensively, there's a lot to like about Minnesota. But guess what? The things that we knew about Minnesota, man, they were just, they were exactly what they were, right? Rough. Their defense is not very good. 
Um, and, and this might be bad for Ed Donatel, honestly. Mm-hmm. If you're Minnesota, this is going to be one of those, like, how, how far do we want to go with uh, Ed Donatel? Minnesota Vikings offense is good. Their defense isn't great. The reason I picked the Giants, and the reason I know you picked the Giants, not just because Minnesota was a little bit fluky in their score, 11 games this year decided by one score or less, uh, but it was also that the Giants were actually a, a better all-around team. They lost this matchup earlier, but the Giants, I think, are, are the better all-around team. And that's saying something because Daniel Jones at one point was considered a bit of a bust. Yeah, Brian Dable is in, in, has really re- resurrected his career. Mike Kafka as well uh, really resurrected his career. Uh, they, they found the way to be effective. Uh, the Daniel Jones props in this game are the easiest money I cashed all weekend. The over in the passing yards, the over on the rushing total. The easiest money I cashed all weekend outside of the Gabe Davis 35 receiving yards over prop. Um, this was uh, this was just, you know, uh, it was one of those things that I, I never had any doubt. There were a couple of points where Minnesota flirted with a, a, a tiny lead, but I never had any doubt about this one. The Giants were, were going to crush them. Minnesota had no defense, just none. By the way, it was Westwood one on the call in case I didn't say something, but Daniel Jones... 17 carries for 78 yards. He was just absolutely gashing Minnesota. Every single time Minnesota would try to to get a stop and try to put themselves in position to get a three and out, Daniel Jones just took off and ran. Uh, That was impressive by itself. Isaiah Hodgins has all of a sudden become a, a pretty reliable target. Eight catches on nine targets for 105 yards. Darius Slayton all of a sudden sort of revitalized his career and he got a little banged up in this game before for 88. Um, I'm, I got to be honest. I, I love the way the Giants have battled and put themselves in position. Saquon Barkley looks like the Saquon we always thought he could be. Uh, 53 yards, 5.9 per carry. Also added five catches for 56. So overall, very impressive performance. Like I said, the Giants. The Giants are gonna they're gonna hang in there. I, I don't th- I don't think they win it this year. But it goes to show you the right coach, the right time. Daniel Jones, 301 passing yards, two touchdowns, and added the 78 rushing yards. He looked like a franchise quarterback. Yeah, he did. Uh, I, I thought he looked really good. They they didn't give Saquon that many carries, only nine no. carries, but used him in the pass game a little bit to they supplement did. that. And uh, what do you have, 109 all-purpose, I think. So, yeah, good for the Giants. Meanwhile, on the Minnesota side, where do they go from here? I want to say starting tip of the cap getting tj hawkinson oh tj hawkinson was the was a, an incredible pickup what a, what a move by them and, and weird how the lions just kind of let that go in division but you know hey at the end of the day i mean if anybody knows tight ends it's dan campbell uh let tj hawkinson go move over to minnesota i mean that's a, one of those rare situations where it's a win for everybody where does Minnesota go from here? Because this is the year that they sort of loaded up to put themselves in in contention. They've got to get, uh, they've got to figure their defense out. Yeah. Um, they, they, on the offense, they're going to have to get a replacement for Thielen eventually. They probably need to start grooming that now. Um, but on the on the flip side of that, they've got to get younger on defense. And they've, they've got to get faster on defense too, especially in that secondary. They have to. Patrick Peterson and Harrison, so that might be the slowest secondary in the NFL. I also am starting to wonder a little bit about Dalvin Cook. And as, as much as he's had some home run moments this year, he just looked more or less neutralized in this game. He had 15 carries for 60 yards, averaging four yards per carry. All right, it was it was okay. He just didn't look as effective. And then he had six catches for count at 10 yards. Yeah, just the, a lot of containing him at the line of scrimmage. They basically said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to double up Jefferson. Uh, we're going to send the house at, at, at Cook, and we're going to force... Uh, you to either go to Thielen one-on-one or Hawkinson one-on-one. Hawkinson took advantage of it. He did. Uh, Thielen, not so much. I think he had, what, three catches. One of those was a big one, but, yep. um, you know, on four targets. But at the end of the day, they were like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to shut down Jefferson. We'll take away Cook and force you to beat, beat us with the other two. Yeah, for Justin Jefferson, who had just an extraordinary season, 
seven for 47, 6.7 per catch. Yeah, shut shut him down. Brutal. Absolutely brutal for Justin Jefferson, who used to be in the big play explosive guy for the Minnesota Vikings. And, and I thought the Minnesota Vikings, sometimes with the play calling got a little too cute, right? They had that, the, the, I think it was a third and short or fourth and one or whatever that they, I don't know, man. You see what happens sometimes with the coaches in the postseason Sometimes it works. We saw with the Jacksonville Jaguars when they had the fourth and one and they ran Etienne around, right? They, mm-hmm. they, they ran him around the right side instead of going up the middle with Trevor Lawrence. It's brilliant play call. If it works, it's brilliant. If it doesn't, like it did in Minnesota with the, the short, then it'll look, you, you look like a clown. Yeah. And, and that, that, unfortunately, was the case for Kevin O'Connell. Yeah. And that's the thing. They got all all season to think about that now. All right. Final game. The Bengals... Against the Ravens, here's the game winner. We got to hear the, the Bengals call here. This is too good. The Bengals call of the fumble recovery touchdown by Sam Hubbard. Here we go. Goal from the one. Huntley no. sticks the ball out. The Bengals have <laughs> the ball. Baby. They are running it back. <laughs> Sam Hubbard with blockers behind him. Hubbard to the Ravens, 40, nice. the 30, nice. the 20, yeah. the 10, the Woo. 5. Touchdown, Bengals. Tyler Huntley tried to extend the ball over the goal line. It got poked away. Sam Hubbard scooped it up and ran the length of the field for a go-ahead Bengals touchdown. Bengals radio on the call. (laughs) It was the one. (laughs) His voice was cracking and popping. It was, man, that is raw emotion. That's why I love Dave Lapham. I mean, he's just, and it's a perfect combination with the two, right? Because Lapham is just over the top, and then you got the professional play-by voice, and I just, I love everything about their call. That yeah. was a big, that was a, that was a massive play, and, and and really, Snoop Huntley was close. Yeah, hey, look at the tracking tracking chip on the ball. He was he was over a half yard short, by the way. Which is ridiculous. I mean, it's so close. The tracking chip, though. All of a sudden, sparked a whole conversation today on social media. Like, wait, they have chips in the ball now? Yeah, it's been a thing for years. I didn't realize people didn't know that. But, yeah, um, the tracking chip, which is accurate to plus or minus six inches, said that, you know, he was over half a yard out. Uh, a yard is three feet. So he was clearly not not in. No, he point. wasn't in. And, and then, you know, replay I showed this. When they got when they got down, that's the only time I was nervous in that game. I had Cincy the whole way. And then when Baltimore on that drive, I started getting – you yep. started pulling at the collar a little bit. Started sweating a little bit. I gotta give it up to Tyler Huntley. I thought I thought he played a pretty good game. I played lights out, man. He I think you know because you saw J.K. Dobbins quote afterwards talking about how they would have won with Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. He tried to give some backhanded compliment to Tyler Huntley, but in the end, I, th- I think that Baltimore fans, the Baltimore team, this one's gonna sting a little bit because they know because we saw Sammy Watkins quote last week they all know that he made a business decision to not play yeah they i think everybody knows what's going on there and i don't think lamar is going to be back in baltimore we've talked about that extensively on broncos country tonight for the last couple of months i do think new york and atlanta will be lined up so if you're if you're one of these teams that is considering lamar jackson i know this is going to be a bigger offseason topic do you hold this against him for making a business decision in this moment or do you say you're actually kind of glad he did that because if he'd gotten hurt again that would have impacted his market. I, if I was, if I'm a player, I play now. Depending on what the medical situation is, um, 
you know, I, and I'm not privy to the extent and severity of his medicals, but if you're medically able to play, I'm playing in the playoffs. How mm-hmm. many chances do you get to go to the playoffs in the NFL? I'm, I'm with you. But again, conversations I've had with Alfred Williams, for example, he says, hey, if you're less than 100% and you're in a contract year, don't play. It's just not worth it because you don't look as good as you could be. And teams are going to hold that against you. That's something. But, I mean, you know, Russ had the thumb injury last year. He went out and played. He did, but they were in a playoff race at that point. So that's where you, you think Russ was, should. They were trying to make the playoffs. I, I guess they, they, they still had a little bit of hope. Mm-hmm. They ended up with seven wins, but there was, right. there was a little bit of hope there. But Tyler Huntley, man, uh, give it up to him. 226 passing yards, two touchdowns, uh, added nine carries for 54 yards on the ground. He made, he made some big-time throws. He made some big-time plays. He certainly kept a minute. That's a little bit of a heartbreaker way to lose for Baltimore, who actually played better than I think most expected. Mm-hmm. But once again, I think Cincinnati is is 100% legit. They should be probably one of the most feared teams in the AFC right now. I They're would be, in the Kansas City-Buffalo tier. I would be shocked if they beat Buffalo this weekend. I, I would be surprised, but they're in that tier. It's a three-team race in the AFC, and those are the three teams. And honestly, it wasn't the most efficient night from Joe Burrow, right? Yeah, it was a bad night for Burrow. Burrow, Burrow cost me, man. Joey B., the only parlay that I threw all weekend that I lost on. 20 for, 23 for 32, 209, one touchdown, took four sacks yeah. in the game. And you knew he was going to take a lot of sacks. And that, that's the thing for Cincinnati right now. It's that offensive line. I'm a little bit worried. They let three guys. This is the thing last year. Yeah. Well, this is what but, cost them in the Super Bowl. But they actually went out and they tried to address all those things. And the guys they brought in are all hurt now. Yeah. So, so it happens when you don't, don't you know, you, you, if you don't pay a priority to that, you don't build depth there. You got a bad O line on a on a otherwise pretty good pretty stacked football team. So well, they got Jamar Chase out there, which again is always going to be a big big factor in what they're doing. T Higgins looks tremendous right now. So I think I think they're going to give uh, Buffalo a real run. And of course, you got Kansas City taking on Jacksonville. I I love what Jacksonville's doing. I'd be that one is a, I guess a bigger shock if. <laughs> Jacksonville somehow gets by Kansas City, but we saw last year the number one seed that got by, both of them lost. Tennessee and Green Bay both lost when the divisional round. Andy Reid off a bye is so tough. I, I'm I'm interested to see it. But Doug Peterson from his coaching staff. Yeah, I don't. I think the I think the master is going to put it to the student, but we'll see. Be kind of fun though. I'm I'm going to watch it just like the rest of us. We're all going to watch it. Yeah, we definitely are. All right. Well, there you go. That's uh, kind of what happened over the course of the weekend. Not too many surprises. I think that the games that we picked. I mean, the way that happened, certainly the Jacksonville coming back from 27 down was a little surprise. Uh, but really, the only blowout game was San Francisco. That was the only one that ended up being kind of a blowout, and that wasn't until the second half. Got to give it up to Seattle for s- sort of hanging in there during their, at least the first half and making it a fight because we thought San Francisco just was just over and above talent. And like I said, that, that and it won, and it won out, and yeah. that was kind of the thing. They played for that, and they won out. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you got an upset for me in the divisional round? Just early look ahead. Upset divisional round? Upset in the divisional round. Let me take a look at the schedule here. Eagles, Giants, Chiefs, Jags, Bills, Bengals. What would be the upset in Bills, Bengals? The Bengals? Bengals would be upset because Buffalo is favored by five right now. Right. And then what's the other matchup? Eagles are favored by seven and a half. Chiefs are favored by eight and a half. I see the Giants. I say the Eagles are the most susceptible yeah, team of those. I can see the Giants. I can see the Giants somehow. I, you know, I can see the Giants do it. Although I think the you know, the Eagles beat them. The Eagles beat them probably. More and the Niners win it. So yeah, give me give me that one. Thank you, Grant Smith. You're the man. Appreciate it. Broncos country tonight. Ryan Edwards, Benjamin Albright on KOA. You ain't lived till you've had that t- first taste of diesel hit the back of your tongue. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.